This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled Hannah's Thanksgiving, and it comes from 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 11. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tile rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. There they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salary or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Now, Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Again, that's radiobibleclass with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Also, you can listen to us on iTunes by going to the podcast section and searching for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Last week, we started off a new study in the book of 1 Samuel, and we looked at how Hannah poured out her heart to God, how that she was barren. She was married to Elkanah and that Hannah could not have children. She had that infertility issue. And we talked a little bit about how painful that was. Now, Elkanah also had a second wife because Hannah couldn't have children. And back in that day, that was important. So he took a second wife, which God never planned for that to happen. I covered this last time that God plan for one man and one woman and that's the natural order but back in that day the custom was to have multiple wives so Elkanah took a second wife besides Hannah and that was Panana and Panana was the one that gave him the children and she also was a troublemaker she knew that Hannah was really Elkanah's favorite wife she was the one that he loved the most and so because of this she was jealous and she would irritate her, she would dig at her, and she would make fun of her that she couldn't have children. The Bible shows us that she was a rival wife, and she was cruel, and she always rubbed it in, never letting Hannah forget that God had not given her children. We also saw that her husband Elkanah couldn't understand. He's like, oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so upset? Am I not worth more than 10 sons to you? And I point out last week, she never answered that question because there was so much pain, there was so much hurt that he could not solve that pain, that he could not fill that void that she had for the child that she wanted to have. And then we saw that she slipped off to the sanctuary and there she was praying. She's pouring out her heart to God. We see the intensity in her prayer to the point that Eli thought she was drunk. Last week, I pointed out that she was a praying woman, and I pointed that out throughout the whole chapter. But also, not only was she a praying woman, but she didn't care what people thought. We saw her perseverance. 
Even when her husband said, Hannah, why am I not worth more than 10 sons to you? We saw when she was ridiculed by her rival wife or her rival. And then we saw when Eli even said, I don't understand. Why are you drunk? Misunderstood her. No matter what people said, she poured out her heart because she knew that God was the only answer to her problem. And again, today I would challenge you what problem do you have that you've not given to God, that you didn't go to him first, that God is the answer to your problem. You just need to pour your heart out to him. We saw after all this went on that the next day they got up before dawn, they worshiped one more time and then they returned. And Elkinah had relationships with Hannah. And we saw that the Bible pointed out in due time she had a son. And we talked about that. What in your life is coming in due time? Maybe it's that job that you want. Maybe it's that child that you want. Maybe it's where your marriage is and you're trying to restore it back. Understand that God does things in his due time. In due time, God will fix what he needs to fix. God will do what he needs to do. So many times we think God's late, but God is never late. He's always on time. He's just not on our timetable. And then we closed with Hannah giving her son back to God. She made a vow and God never asked her for that vow, but she made that vow and she honored that vow. And so she brought little Samuel back. He was about three years old and she handed him back to Eli. And I told you one of the hardest things you will ever do is to give up your Samuel. The one thing she loved the most, the one thing that she desired the most had to be the hardest thing to give up. And that was her giving Samuel back to the Lord. All the pain she had gone through, all the misery she had gone through, all the ridicule that she had taken, all the misunderstanding that was there was nothing compared to the pain of having to give that little boy to Eli. What is it that you hold so dear and so precious that you have not turned over to the Lord? We talked about a song we used to sing called Jesus Be the Lord of All and how there's a little kingdom deep inside our heart. We gave most of our heart to the Lord, but we didn't give it all. And today, God is knocking on some of your hearts, asking you to give him that little kingdom that's in your heart. Let him be the Lord of all. So that brings us up to date today. So we're going to look at a prayer today that Hannah prayed. And it's a great prayer. It's really not so much about the son that she had, but it's really about God and her thanksgiving. And that's why I titled this Hannah's Thanksgiving. So let's jump right in. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 2. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll be reading out of the ESV. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. And I'm going to stop right there. So the first thing I want you to see out of this prayer that we look at is Hannah's thanks and her praise that she gives to God. Really, this first verse is a carryover from 1 Samuel 1.28, because if you remember, I told you that they worshiped the Lord there before they left. And this song or this thanksgiving, this prayer records the worship that Hannah offered on that very day as she left her son, her only child at that tabernacle, never for him to live with her again. We see in verse one that she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Hannah shows that 
She rejoices in the Lord. She's not rejoicing in Samuel. She's giving praise and thanks to the Lord God Almighty. That should humble us. The hardest thing she had to do was give up little Samuel, take that three-year-old hand and give it to Eli. But here she prays for a praise and a thanksgiving to God. And she's saying that my heart rejoices in you, Lord. And then the next thing we see is she says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. Now that horn is a symbol of strength. What she's saying is just like the horn of a bull, just like the horn of an animal and how strong that is, how strong that material is, my strength is in the Lord. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 75, 4 and 5, I said unto the fools, do not foolishly and to the wicked lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. What the psalmist is saying here is be careful. Do not raise a fist to God Almighty. Do not show your strength. Try not to do it in your strength because God is the one who has the strength. He is like a rock. He is the rock of ages. The psalmist also wrote in Psalm 92.10, But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Here we see exactly what I told you, that the horn was a symbol for strength. We see that the psalmist is saying that you made me strong as a unicorn. You made me strong as a charging bison. So see what she's saying. She's saying that because of your strength, I'm as strong as an ox. I'm as strong as a steer. And I have the strength that that horn has that they wear. And that comes from being exalted in you. It comes from you, the Lord of my life. And she finishes up verse one saying that my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She's saying that I have an answer now to my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. She's able to say my mouth boasts over my enemies. What they say doesn't matter because you have rescued me. You have delivered me. You give me delight in your deliverance. Now you and I both know who she's talking about here. It's Penina. She's not talking about just any enemy. She's talking about her rival, the one that put the digs in every year, year after year, reminding her about how God had not given her a child. And now she's able to rejoice in the Lord and say that my mouth boasts over my enemy. My mouth boasts over Penina because I delight in you giving me a deliverance. I delight in you giving me this child, even though I'm going to give him up to you. I am now able to say, see, you were wrong. The Lord did come. The Lord did deliver. And today, what is it that your enemies are poking you about? What is it that your rivals are giving you time and pain and trouble over? Just be faithful and persevere just like that Hannah did. And you will be able to point and have the same thing that she says. You will have a delight. You will be able to answer your enemy. And you'll say, I rejoice because God rescued me just like he rescued Hannah. And now if you look at verse two, you'll see that she says that there's no one that is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like God. You could preach a whole sermon on this one verse. You could tear it apart and preach a whole sermon because there is no one holy like the Lord. We see throughout the Bible that not only do they say the Lord is holy, but we see the angels say, holy, holy, 
holy. Three times to emphasize how holy he is. We've looked at that word holy before. That word holy means separate. God is separate. There is none beside him. There is none like him. My challenge you today is, do you believe this? Do you really believe that there is none like the Lord? That he is unique, that he is set apart, that, that he is like no other, that he is the one rock that you can count on. What are you counting on today? Because there are a lot of people that are out there that claim to be Christians, that put their faith in money. They put their faith in their wife and their family. They put their faith in their job. They fall back on all the things that the world has to offer and they don't fall back on God. That he is not really set apart. Their mouth says that he's unique. Their mouth says that he is holy. But when it comes down to it, in a time of trouble, they go back to the world and the things that, of the world that they put their faith in. But we see Hannah was a woman of prayer and she was a woman of strong faith. And she says, there is no holy one like the Lord. And then in verse three, we see that she gives a warning. She gives a warning to the arrogant and the proud. Look at verse three with me real quick. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is God of knowledge. By him actions are weighed. Hannah's prayer is saying, stop acting so proud. Stop acting so haughty. Don't speak with arrogance. The Lord does not like the proud. James 4, 6 tells us that God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 6, 16 says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are abomination to him. He hates haughty eyes. He hates a lying tongue. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises a wicked plan. Feet that make haste to run towards evil. A fault witness who, who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. The Lord hates the prideful. He hates the haughty, the one with haughty eyes. That's what it says right there of those six. The ultimate example of this is we go back to Isaiah 14, where God kicks the devil out of heaven. And, he, and we hear through Isaiah about how the day star fell, how he was cut down to the ground, how he was laid to the earth, how he ascended from heaven because he tried to set his throne on high, higher than God himself. God threw the devil out of heaven because of his pride and haughty way. So in this prayer of thanksgiving that Hannah gives, we've seen her give thanks. We've seen her give praise. We've seen her warn just about the haughty and the pride that we just read. And now she gives glory to God. Look at verses four through eight with me. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren have borne seven, but she who had many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. For the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. So through these verses four through eight, we see that God humbles the strong and he exalts the weak. Second Corinthians 12, 10 says, this is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults in hardships and persecution and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
As I've grown up as a young boy and a man, I've always been taught, don't show your weakness. Don't let people see your weakness. But right here we see that Paul tells them that he took pleasure in his weakness. He was willing to take the insults. He was willing to take the hardships. He was willing to take the persecution because the trouble that he suffered for Christ showed that even when he was weak, that he was strong because people would say, man, if he can do it, anybody can do it. If someone that is that weak can make it happen, it wasn't them, it had to be God, and God can do that. And so right here in verse 4, we see where it says, the bow of the mighty men are broken. It's saying we should humble before God. He knows how to humble the strong if we won't humble ourselves. I remember growing up hearing one of the pastors always say that if we were strong and we are powerful now, we need to be careful because we are going to be humble before the Lord. It doesn't matter how powerful you are now. It doesn't matter where you are now. There is a day coming when you are going to see how weak and feeble you really were when you stand before Lord God Almighty. And for those that understand the Lord God and they truly understand who he is and what he can do, let me tell you right now that those that seem to be strong and proud, he can change that in an instant. He can take them from being a mighty, strong person, a political leader, a very powerful, rich person to being nothing. And that's what Hannah says right here in this part of the prayer. She said, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes the poor and he makes the rich. He brings the low and he lifts up. If he can make the rich, he can also make you poor. Just because you have more than you need right now doesn't mean that God won't allow calamity to come into your life, that God won't allow trouble or pain come your way so that you are humbled. In Luke 14, Jesus taught about being humble. He said, when you go to a feast, be careful where you sit. Don't sit in a place of honor. Let someone that is more important than you shows up and now you're embarrassed because they're supposed to sit there, but go find a low place, sit in the low place. And if you are of someone of honor, then they will come invite you to sit at the high place. Now look at verses 8 through 10 with me again, because Hannah understands her confidence that she has in the Lord. She understands the future has confidence in the Lord. Verse 8, he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillar of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversities of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give the strength to his kings and exalt the horn he has anointed. In the second half of verse 8, Hannah shows us that the Lord has put the world in order. She says, for the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. Job 38, 4 says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God laid the foundations of the earth and that's what Hannah points out right here in her prayer. And then in verse 9, she says that God will protect those that are faithful. She says that he will guard the feet of his faithful ones. What she's saying and what she understands is that God is in control. 
And because of that, if you're faithful, that he will prevail, he will show his power and his might, and he will bring down the strong and the humble if he needs to. And that's exactly what she says in verse 10. She says, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them, he will thunder in heaven. Those that fight against the Lord will be taken down. They will be beaten. His voice will thunder against them in the heaven. He will judge them throughout the earth. He will give power to the folks that he has set in place, his kings, his anointed ones, and they will have the strength to overcome any trouble. And that's how she finishes verse 10. She says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to the kings and exalt the horn of his anointed. He will exalt the strength of his anointed, what that should say. Hannah right here prophesies of what's coming. She doesn't realize it, but she's prophesying of what is coming. She's talking about what Matthew 25, 31 says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. There is a day coming of judgment. Remember at this point, Israel doesn't have a king. So what Hannah is really talking about is the Messiah. And who is that? That is Jesus Christ. Hannah tells us about the Messiah. Hannah tells us about him coming and uh, ultimate day when he will be a judge. Revelations tells us that there will be a day when Jesus will sit on the great white throne judgment and that he will tell folks, I never knew you. Depart from me. So Hannah has pointed to Jesus as the Messiah and there is a day coming when he's going to judge. So let me wrap this up. And really what I want you to see is that we saw in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah articulates a prayer, a bold prayer. She says, oh, Lord of hosts, if it's only you will just look at my misery. And if you will just remember me, don't forget your servant, but give your servant a male child. And I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day that he dies. In chapter one, we saw the desperation of her prayer. We saw the passion of her prayer. We saw the tenacity of her prayer. And when she's ultimately given her male son, she names him Samuel, which means God heard. God heard her prayer. And we saw that she kept her vow and brought that young child to the Lord and gave him to Eli. But today we've looked at chapter two, the first part of it. We've seen that you would think a prayer that would be about the miracle of this birth of her child. But Hannah doesn't even mention the boy. Instead, she focuses her praise on the sovereignty of God. There is no one holy like the Lord. No one beside you. There is no rock like our God. This prayer that she prays should be an anthem for every one of us. The times that we cry out to the Lord, the times that we ask the Lord in desperation, just like Hannah did. When he answers, we should make sure we understand that we give the praise like Hannah did. In this prayer, she talked about the weak or the feeble. She talked about the hungry. She talked about those that were barren. She talked about the poor, the low, the needy. God will help each of these situations. I don't know where you're at today, but what I do know is that God will hear your prayer if you will go to him. Just like Hannah said that God will raise up the poor from the dust, how he'll lift the needy from the ash heap, how he'll make them sit with princesses and inherit a seat of honor, and how he has the earth set on the pillars that the Lord have put into place. 
those very things, those very proclamations, those very praises God will do for you. He will help you no matter what you're going through today. God has the power. He is unique. He is exclusive, and it's only through him. It's through his divine sovereignty that he triumphs over all the social circumstances that you may be going through. Most of us know this verse by heart, Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. See, God loves you. God wants what's best for you. God is in the elevation business, and he has the ability to bring the strength that you need when you understand that you need it from him. Too many times we don't have the strength we need because we try to do it in our own strength. But God is in the business of elevation because he is the ultimate creator. He has a plan that he created for you. He knew you before you were born. And what we can learn from this prayer today is that we can sing this prayer of praise. And we should already claim the praise just like Hannah does. We should see the hopefulness that we have in the Lord. Time and time again throughout the Bible, we see when someone's in a time of need, when they cry out to the Lord, God lifts them up. He takes them out of the trouble and the despair that they're in, and he lifts them up. God honored her prayer when she cried out in 1 Samuel 1 because God knew that Israel was going to need a unique and unquestionable leader. We're going to see next week about Eli's sons and how they are not unquestionable leaders, that they have lots of questions about them, how they are bad leaders. And God knew he needed a strong judge, a strong priest, a strong prophet. And that's the uniqueness of Samuel, that he had all those. As they go through this time of transition, God needed the right person to be the person to take them through this transition. God knows that the time of the judges is coming to an end and that the nation of Israel is going to ask for a king just like all the other nations, that they are rejecting him as ultimate king and want a person that they can look to, a man instead of looking to God. So God raises up this unquestionable leader, Samuel, and he does it through a mother who is a prayerful mother, someone that understands who God is and puts her ultimate faith in God. God knew what Hannah needed, and he gave it to her at the right time. God knows what you need. God knows what you desire. God knows exactly what that is, what will help you prosper. Not what will bring harm to you, but what will give you a hope and a future. There's a couple of questions. One, do you really believe that? Do you believe God wants what's best for you, no matter what you're going through? God loves you today. He wants you to understand who he is. He wants you to worship him the way Hannah worshiped him. He wants 100% of you because he is holy. There is no one like the Lord. There is no one like the Lord. He is our rock. He is our salvation, and it's only through him. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for showing us the heart of Hannah. Lord, how you showed us last week that she prayed out in desperation in her time of need. Lord, you already knew her need, but as she prayed it, Lord, you answered it in due time. Lord, in your time, in the right time, you gave her the answer and the desire of her heart. Lord, you wanted what was best for her. You wanted something that wouldn't harm her, but something that would prosper. And Lord, we see this week how she rejoices in you. 
Lord, how you truly are her rock and her salvation. Lord, I pray for those today that say that, but they really don't know what that means. Lord, I pray that today they would truly give their heart to you. Lord, they would turn to you first, that you would be their first resort, not their last. Lord, whatever they're going through today, Lord, I pray that they would turn it over to you, lay it at your feet, Lord, to do your work in your strength and not in their own strength. Lord, maybe there's one today that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today would be the day, Lord, they would ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, your word tells us that if we believe on your finished work on the cross, if we believe on how you overcame death and you rose again, Lord, that if we ask you to come into our heart, that if we confess our sins with our mouth, that we will be saved. Lord, I pray today they will do that. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give this ministry. And it's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.